Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. We're talking today, the title of my message is Colliding with Culture. Colliding with Culture. And uh, uh, I started a few weeks ago, I talked about worship. How many remember the message I did on worship? And I talked about the three archangels. And I talked about how Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven, and he was cast to the earth because he had determined in his heart, I don't want to be the worship leader, I want to be a worshipped leader. And, and pride will cause you to fall, right? And we have to be who God's called us to be. And so Lucifer's like, I want to be a worship leader. And so we want to talk about um, the enemy's worship strategy. So how many know that he has a strategy? And uh, we're going to talk about that today. Last uh, few weeks ago, I talked about uh, a few key thoughts here. Worship is our response to what we value the most. The next point I made was we worship what we worship we are becoming. And third, we must determine what place God has in our life. And so these were the things we covered a few weeks ago. And we're talking about Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, four Israelites who were in Babylon at the time. As you know, the, the, the context is that Israel was in sin against God. There was idolatry, there was sin, uh, there was sexual sin, there was, they were worshiping false gods, there was all kinds of stuff happening. And the prophets would come, Jeremiah was one of the prophets who would come, and he would prophesy, you need to repent. He talked to the king, he said, there has to be repentance and turning back to God. And if you refuse to repent, the Babylonians are going to come from the north, and they're going to come in, and they're going to devour, and you're going to become slaves in Babylon. So Babylon will come, and Israel will become slaves in Babylon. So how many know repentance is important when God calls us to repentance? And so there's four clear parallels between Daniel's experience and ours today. Because today we're living in, in, in the, the birth pains of, of spiritual Babylon. The Bible says in the book of Revelations, we, we see that there's a spiritual Babylon that's going to come in and rule in the end days. And there's four clear bar- parallels between Daniel's experience and ours today. Okay, So the first point is here, we live in a society hostile towards faith in God. Right? We, we, we really do, and we have to talk about the elephant in the room. So, uh, and I, I'm willing to do that, and I think it's important we do. So here's the first point I want to make here, okay, is that we need to, we need to stand strong. Uh, we have to stand firm, okay? Uh, Daniel faced constant pressure to conform, and this is exactly what we're facing in Canada today. This pressure to conform to the culture of the world. Now, when I talk about the culture, when I talk about what's happening in the earth, I want you to understand, we don't fight against flesh and blood. I'm not out to attack governments. I'm not out to attack uh, people groups because our battle is in the spirit realm. Amen? So we're not out to attack people. We have to attack the enemy in prayer, and then we need to share the love of Christ with others. This is really important. Okay? And I want you to think, for example, uh, about... What the government is defining as hate speech right now. Okay. This is the culture, the God of this world, Satan, has driven us to this place with the Antichrist spirit. That things that are hate speech today are completely different than what they were 10 years ago. Okay. And uh, this message was kind of spawned on. And this is a message actually that was preached at Impact Church. And I felt really strong to bring it here. um, Is because... 
just this week I saw in the news a, a man in BC who we can't give his name. It's illegal to give his name. But he, uh, his, his six-year-old daughter was in school and she said, I, while they were talking about the sex education and gender identity and all that, said, well, I, I feel that I, I'm going to be, I feel I should be a boy. And so without the consent of the father, they began her on puberty blockers so she could begin to change her gender without the father's permission. So the father went to the school to say, this is my daughter, this is a child, and she's being, you know, you're educating her in this direction without my consent, and he's doing five years in prison now. All right? And nobody wants to talk about the elephant in the, new, in the room, and then also, we don't see it in the news, we don't see it, we don't see that, but this is what's going on. Amen? And so, Parents don't even have right anymore because it's hate speech to say anything against the culture of the God of this world. All right? And we think about what the government is defining as unlawful action now as well. We see all of this happening. We must understand today that there's a cultural agenda led by the enemy to secularize society, okay, and to silence the church. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do. And we see here that God is calling us as a church to stand firm. Okay, stand firm. And the word stand firm, okay, and, and first of all, he wants us to stand firm. He wants us to show God's love in a culture of compromise. So we need to love people in compromise. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, let's see what the Scripture says here. Paul's, Peter says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy. The devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering as you are. So they're suffering because the culture of the kingdom will stand in opposition sometimes to the culture of the world. And there will be persecution. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? And we, we got to, as, as believers, begin to share the truth, okay? Now, the word stand firm, as you see here, if we go back to the last slide, actually talks about um, resisting. It's that word uh, antihistamine. It, it's a, it pushes back, right? And, and it pushes back. And uh, as a family of believers, we need to remember we're in this together. The next point is we face commands from those in authority to do something that violates the essence of our faith. And there will be times in the future as we move that we're going to be asked to do things that violate our faith. Daniel faced political pressure to not worship God in a biblical fashion. And we read about that in Daniel. And we're experiencing the same thing today in Canada. After being asked to not preach Jesus, this is what Peter and the apostles' response was in Acts chapter 5, verse 29. He said, we ought to obey God rather than man. All right? The next point I want to make here is we might face serious consequences for noncompliance. That is something that's coming down the road. Okay? For Daniel, it was, was to go with the cultural flow or face death. And we're not there yet, and, and hopefully we never are, but maybe one day we will. But are we willing to stand for the truth? Is this okay? Is this all right? And I want you to think about that for a second. If a church or a church leader decides not to do a certain thing, if a church or church leader decides to do something uh, 
biblically, will the government take away our, stack, our tax-exempt status? And the answer is probably yes. And they're trying to push for that right now. Back in 2016, I believe it was, uh, we, for years and years and years, we would have a student come, uh, a summer student, and we would get funding from the government to pay the summer student. And the Liberal government sent us a letter saying, if you don't agree with our stance on abortion and our stance on gender, then uh, we will not fund you. You cannot have a student. So we couldn't have a student that year. But the churches rose up and they stood and they said, we're, gr- we're going to fight this. So then the government backed off. Amen? So we need to stand. Right? We have laws in Canada now that are forcing compelled speech and saying this is how you need to speak and this is what's acceptable and this is what's not acceptable, okay? And I need you to understand this, okay, is that the goal is to shift our society from compelled speech to compelled thought. And this is how the enemy works. You're going to think the way we think. You're going to act the way we act, and if not, you're a bigot, and you're discriminatory, and you're this, and you're that. And yes, you're going to go to jail. That's how the enemy works, folks. All right? And I want to show you a spiritual principle here in Scripture. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I know what's in someone's heart, and you should too, when they talk. If you meet someone, and they're always talking about hockey, you know they love hockey, right? If they're always talking about the Lord, you know they love the Lord. Whatever they're talking about, you know they're passionate, and that's where their belief is, right? But God wants us to be anchored in Christ. What comes out is truth, immersed in love. And I can't emphasize this enough. Our fight is not with flesh and blood. we got to love. we got to care for. Our battle is in prayer, okay? I want you to understand that, Okay? But the enemy knows that if he, he cannot change the heart, he will change your speech in order to erode your heart's conviction. So if you start saying things enough, if you're not, you have to say this, you have to agree with this, and after a while, your heart will align with it. The enemy is using the spiritual principle in reverse. Amen? Here's the next point. We endure culture and societal punishment for maintaining our beliefs. Think about the, culture pressure, the cultural pressure to think, speak, and act like everyone else. You need to act this way. You need to think this way. And what happens if we decide to stand up to that and say, no, no, you know what? We're going to think differently. We're going to think the way the Bible tells us to think. Will we lose our jobs? Will we lose our businesses? Will we lose our opportunities? Have our reputations destroyed? Will we become out- outcasts? Will, will we be shunned? Right? And I know years, a few years back, I was working for an organization, and I was told, do not preach the gospel, share your faith at work. And I said, you know what? You're my boss, and I'm going to respect you. And I didn't share my faith. He's paying my, my paycheck. I'm there to work. I, I, I was honoring my boss, and I think we should all do that because we can share our faith on our spare time. No problem. A few days go by, and they had somebody come in uh, to share, and they started sharing about their faith, and it was a different faith. In detail, this is what we believe in this. So I approached the teacher and I said, you, you're not allowed to talk about religion at work. I was confronted. And I was pulled in the office and my boss says, you're discriminating. And I said, oh, hold on a second. Discriminating. No, you're discriminating because I'm, I, was share, I, I was sharing my faith and I was told, you do not share your faith, but that you bring somebody else in to share their faith. I said, who's discriminating? Well, lo and behold, I lost my job. God provided a new job right? But you see, the enemy doesn't make sense, 
right? And I, I, this is, what, this is what, what happens in today's society. I was just looking for equality, the very thing we hear about, and it wasn't there. Now, Chris Hodges says this, these similarities reflect the advancement of what I call antichrist spirit of our age. The persecution of Christianity, the Bible, churches, Christian values by means of coercion, authoritative control, and cultural consequences of condemnation. This antichrist spirit always has a two-pronged strategy. Number one, he gets Christians to worship culture's gods, okay? And if that doesn't work, he gets Christians to stop worshiping God. So again, this is the strategy of the enemy of our God, all right? And I want to look at the book of Daniel to see this strategy played out. So here's the first strategy of the enemy. You must worship our gods. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue, 90 feet tall, 90 feet wide, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then he sent messengers to the high officials, officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, all the provincial officials, to come to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. So all of these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races, nations, language, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, and all the other instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. And this is the first worship story in the book of Daniel. The first worship story in the book of Daniel is about Mandatory worship. Forced worship. And in the Bible, God always said, you have a choice. Choose between life, choose between death. But you have a choice. If you make the wrong choice, there's a, there's a terrible consequence. But when we see the word mandatory, we know the enemy's working. Because it violates people's rights and their conscience. So the enemy's working. The enemy's number one tactic, you must, mandatory, worship our gods. In this story, king's idolatry, uh, we, we need to understand that king's idolatry, worship relied both on image and sound, and that's the way the enemy works. It's a, the images and the sounds to change the way you think, okay? And his goal was to adjust who and what we worship. That's the enemy's goal. In Psalm 106, verse 36, they began worshiping the false gods, those people's worship, and their idols became a trap. Do you know that idols become a trap? The Hebrew meaning for trap is a snare, a hook, a noose. And when culture tries to snare us or hook us, how do we respond? Okay, and again, I can't emphasize this enough. We don't fight against people. We love people. We fight against, in prayer, we fight against what's causing this to happen, the dark forces behind it, okay? When culture tries to get us to violate our Christian faith, how do we respond? Well, you have a few options, and these are the options we're going to talk about. Number one is you give in. You bow down to the culture, and you say, I'll just, I'll just say what the culture wants me to say because I don't want to be persecuted or be an outcast. Number two, you give up. Or you can stick your head in the sand and say, there's no problem when really there is. 
Is this all right? You guys okay? Okay, because I got another message that's a lot softer. I can go to it if you want. This, option number three, you can give notice. And this is the one I think is the most important because to, to give notice means to inform someone, address the culture head on in love. And I'm emphasizing love. To say, listen, I, I'm standing up and this is what I believe. This is what I feel. And this is what the scripture says. And, and you give notice because you know what? We're in a war and it's an information war, right? So we need to inform others of the truth of God's word. Right? And so what the enemy wants you to do is the enemy wants to come and say, this is the culture, this is the idea. And you know what, by the way, we're going to tear down all Judeo-Christian, you know, cancel all that, get rid of all that, and then, and then you feel like, I can't stand up to that. And I want to say, yes, stand up in love and say, no, this is what I believe. This is where I stand. And I will not be moved. I won't fight you. I won't go against you, but I'm not going to back down. Can I hear an Amen. And so we want to come back to Daniel 3 and see how these men stood up to their cultural idols. Daniel 3, verse 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God, our God, we serve, is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. See, he's re- see the respect and the honor? He's not. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. They did not lead a rebellion. They did not plan a boycott, right? They didn't argue with the king. They simply said, and this is the key you got to get, we will not give in, we will not give up, and we will inform you about our God. And this is a season of time for the church to stand up and say, we will not give in, we will not give up, and we will inform you of our God. I'm going to say it one more time. We will not give in, we will not give up, we will inform you about our God. And that is what God is calling us as a church to do, to stand up and to to speak the word of the Lord. Tonight I'm going to be talking a little bit about King uh, Ahab and Elijah the prophet. And he had to stand up against Jezebel. You know, I'll leave that for tonight. That's a whole other message. You have to come tonight if you want to hear that one. Where did they get this kind of faith from? Well, they had a foundation. They built the right foundation. This is the first thing they did. They knew who they were despite Babylon's attempt to rename them. We need to know who we are and what we believe, even though the culture is trying to rename us and re-identify us as whatever they want to say. We have to know who we are. Number two, they settled on what they believed before the test came. You have to know what you believe in your heart before the test comes to you. And number three, they embraced the opportunity to endure the test before them. Amen? So they had these three pillars. I want you to say them with me. There's three pillars. Believe, embrace, and endure. So you have to know what you believe. You have to embrace it. And then when opposition and persecution comes, you have to endure and say, I'm going to continue to stand. 
So the second strategy of the enemy is you can't worship your God. When they say, well, you're going to worship, you know, our gods, and we say, no, that's not going to work. We're not going to worship your gods. They're going to say, well, now you can't worship your God. And after making it through the test of faith in the fiery furnace, there's another situation that happens. And this isn't Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego's problem. This is now Daniel's problem. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 5 to 9. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So there was people conspiring against Daniel. Conspiracy. We don't want to say that. It's all through the Word of God, folks. So the administrators and the high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human except for you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue a sign this law so that it cannot be changed an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. And here's the thing you need to understand. King Darius really liked Daniel. And he was tricked. I want to just give a a plug right now because I think this is important. And I'm not talking specifically about the pandemic. But um, Doug Ford is a great, he's a great man. And I know this for a fact. He's gone to bat for the churches. And I know he cares and he's, he's, He's worked hard to keep the churches open. So I want to, I don't know, he'll probably never see this, but I appreciate that he's gone to bat. Um, you know, some premiers in other provinces that haven't. So thank you for that. Um, but, but I want you to see something. So King Darius signed the law. And um, this is the second worship story in the book of Daniel. So the first one, the worship story didn't go good. They went in the fiery furnace and they came out, which was good. But the second worship story is is Daniel. So this worship story is about restrained worship, right? A small group conspired with an agenda to remove Daniel. The king was upset about it. And I find this interesting. Darius's name actually means restrain, which is really in it. So the second tactic is you can't worship your God. They wanted to change Daniel's worship from a posture of prayer and worship to God to a place of full submission to the control of the Persian king. It's mandatory. It's mandatory. You have to do it. When you hear the word mandatory, 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 it's the enemy's kingdom working. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 to 12, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows wide open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he always had done, giving thanks to God. When the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for help, so they went straight to the king and reminded him about the law. Hey, king, remember you passed the law? You've got to follow through. Did you sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except for you, your majesty, will be thrown into the dens of lion? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It's an official law to the Medes and Persians, and it cannot be revoked. And so what did Daniel do in the face of this royal decree? Here's the next thing he did. He worshiped God and prayed three times a day, just like he did before. 
He just continued to follow his conscience. And that's the most precious thing we have. He did not panic. He did not force a confrontation with the governors. He did not argue about the unfairness of the decree, arguing about, you know, what's going on. He didn't do any of that. He simply did what he always did. He prayed and worshipped God. And that's what we need to do as a church, continue to stand, continue to say, I will not back down. I will have my convictions. I will have my moral ideas about you know, gender ideas and all those kind of, this is who I am. This is what the Bible says. I believe it with my whole heart and I'll continue to stand and I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to change and I'm going to love you in the meantime. He simply did what he had always done before. And as we're summing this up, I want to say this. The fruit of Daniel's life it was you see courage courage was something that came to the surface in the lives of these three men and to walk in daniel's footsteps we must have courage we must demonstrate the fruit of courage which is action you can't just say i'm i'm brave you have to act and stand we must demonstrate the fruit of courage we have to act in acts chapter 4 verse 13 when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They had courage because they'd been with Jesus. When you're with Jesus, courage begins to rise in your heart so you'll be able to stand in the midst of the fire. So we need to be spending time with Jesus and just making a decision, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand for truth. Courage looks up, courage stands up, and courage speaks up. Let's say that together. Courage looks up, courage stands up, and courage speaks up. And God has called you and me, he's called us to be a courageous people, to stand up for biblical truth, to stand up for the truth of God's word, despite what happens. In Acts chapter 18, verse 9, in the conclusion, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. And I believe God is saying the same thing to us today, that we're to stand up and share your truth, which is biblical truth, despite what people think, and do it in love. Amen? And that's what God's called us to do. In Matthew chapter 10, 32, I'm reading this out of the message, Jesus says, stand up for me against the world's opinions. And I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. We must determine today that we will worship God with our whole hearts and obey Him. We will courageously draw a line in the sand, and we will not cross the line. Amen? And so that's my little message for today. And I want to encourage you guys to stand for the truth that you know to be truth, to be courageous and to be strong, and do it in love. And there is a fight. The fight is in prayer, and the fight is also, uh, there's, there's, there's ways to, to fight. There's organizations where you can get in. There's petitions that are being put out. There's actually a new bill being passed for the, uh, the, the, uh, the Freedom of Conscious Act that's coming out. They're trying to push so that religious people can have views different than... So get in, sign those petitions. Call your mayors. I can send out emails from the church. There's a way to fight. You just got to do it legally. You don't go out and beat people up. Amen? You got to love people hate the devil, love people. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to pray. 
All right, Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you, Lord, that you have called every person here to be courageous. And God, we just lift, I just lift up every family in this place, God. And I pray, God, right now that there will just be courage rising up in the heart. Lord, as we spend time with you, you'd give us the courage. You'd begin to push back with the, the fear that the enemy is, is trying to put on them, that they'll be able to push it back by the power of the Holy Spirit and stand in truth and never compromise their conviction because you've given them to us, God. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Let courage fall on this congregation. Let courage come in the homes of every person because as we begin to share our truth, people who are fearful will begin to go, yeah, I kind of agree with you, but I was afraid to say it. But now we're sharing the truth of God's light from heart to heart. Give us opportunity this week to stand for our truth in love. In Jesus' name. If you're watching this by live stream, if you're in this building and you don't know Jesus, if you're away from the Lord, the Bible says, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not mandatory to serve Jesus. But if you don't give your heart to Christ, we're separated from God for eternity because there's sin in our life. And God doesn't want us to be separated from him and go to a place called hell. He wants to forgive you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to wash you. He wants to take your sin and wipe it away so your heart is whiter than snow. He wants to set you free, but you have to come to him his way. He's already, it's like chess. You know, he already took his move. He gave you Jesus. And many times we say, we want another move. Do something else. He's saying, no, it's your turn. It's your move. You move. And our move is to accept that he died. And when we accept that, then he comes and he covers us. And he takes us to his side. And so right now, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, I want you to do it with me. I know last week somebody shared that had accepted the Lord on the live stream. I want you to do it again today. If you're in this place or you're on the live stream, give your heart to Jesus. You'll never, ever, ever be disappointed. I want you to pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I've done a lot of wrong things in my life, but I want you to wash me. I want you to take my sins away. Be my Lord and my Savior. Send your Holy Spirit to live in me. And say, devil, I serve you notice. Get out of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.